to Life Lessons. We're Jen and Sherry. I'm Jen Stevens, a retired teacher of 28 years and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've worked in healthcare for over 26 years, and I've been an active volunteer for many organizations. We're both wives and moms, and let's face it, we're the glue that holds it all together in our homes. In our careers, we have always been problem solvers who help others. And that's what we'll be doing here, answering questions you didn't know you had, one smart solution at a time. We're always looking for ways to make our lives easier, help us be more productive, or improve our health and wellness. So let's live our best lives one day at a time, and let's have some fun along the way. everybody. We're so glad you're here today. Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Lessons Podcast. How are you today, Sherry? Anything new going on with you? No, nothing new. Same old gray weather. I thought spring was coming. We had a nice week last week and then back to the rain, rain, rain. Yep. Chad and I just spent two nights at the beach cottage and we, when we got there, let's see what day is it? It's Wednesday. And so we got there on Monday and it was pretty. It was, although here's something I've learned about the beach in the spring. It lies. It's the wind. Here's my school teacher coming out. It has to do with the temperature of the ocean. I've probably talked about this before, but you know, during the day, it, if you get out there early in the morning and it's like 72 degrees, you're okay because the land is not heated up yet. So the sun is on you. You feel pretty good. But over the day, the sand heats up a lot quicker. Of course, the water is still really cold. It takes water a long time to change temperature. So by the time afternoon hits, the difference in temperature is so great between the land and the sea that the wind is just blowing off the ocean. It gets like, it picks up all day long. So it has to do with the, the difference in the temperature. So the, the greater the difference in temperature, because think about it, heat rises. So the heat is rising over the land because it's warmed up, but the sea is still so cold. So it's like rushing, all that cold air is coming in. And so I tried to go sit out on the beach because it was like 70 something degrees. It was afternoon, but that wind coming off the ocean, nope. I was like bundled up. That's why fall is so lovely. You know, where I live, it's funny because if there's storms down over the Gulf Coast, we get the fallout. But we also get anything that's happening in the Midwest. And so the Midwest got snow this past weekend. And then the rain follows. Once I hear that my friends back home have had snow, I know we're getting rain. It's like we get the weather from the coast and we get the weather from the Midwest. And it's no wonder we have such volatile weather here. Yeah, that's true, because it's coming at you from all directions. <laughs> Our weather comes from Atlanta. Oh, bathroom update. I have shower fixtures. That's so exciting. So you could actually take a shower in there. I can actually soak in the bathtub tonight if I wasn't priming walls. We're moving on to paint. By next Wednesday, I don't know, I might have this bathroom put back together. It is going to be exciting. I know you're so ready. It's not the master bath, though. It's the hall bath? It's the hall bath. So you've had a working bathroom. Yes, my little tiny micro master bath. The funny thing is, is there's a pedestal sink in there. Why would you put a pedestal sink in a master bath? That's what I said to my husband since we bought this house. I said, who decided a pedestal sink was appropriate in this tiny bathroom with no storage? 
My brother had this wife that we didn't like. <laughs> Not the one he's married to now. We love her. She's fantastic. But this one wife, she was mean. We didn't like her at all. And they were building a house. And they put in, I'm sure she made this decision, two pedestal sinks in the master. I'm like, that was stupid. But we didn't like her. So she was gone. Yeah. I mean, they're pretty. They're good for like a half bath, right? If you don't need to do anything, they're put it in your half bath. It's so pretty. But wow, she picked this wife picked two pedestal sinks for the master bathroom. She didn't have any sense. So I have like two storage caddies in there, like shoved under the sink just for a place to put like, you know, a hair dryer and hair products and, you know, things that are too big to go in the medicine cabinet. And then Eric had to move into that bathroom with me and with, with his stuff. And then he's been in there with me since June. And all of a sudden the other day he was like, you know, you really don't have very much room in here to store anything. And you have a lot of stuff. How do you make this work? And I'm like, yeah, this is why I've been asking for a sink and vanity install since we moved in. So that'll be the next project. Well, you know, that shouldn't be that bad, really. Just taking the pedestal sink out and putting in a vanity? Listen, when we do that, we're going to have to take out the avocado green shower insert that's cracked. I was going to say that might be like in style again. Well, it could be. But there are cracks in it. and. I'm sure there's water damage under it. It's going to have to. At least you have a beautiful bathroom that you can. And it is beautiful. I've seen it. You made some great choices. I have a little like mental trauma after this little remodel. I think I'll take some time off before I start any more remodels. Just appreciate a fully functioning house for a little bit. Well, now it's time for our weekly good news segment. Kendra has a special shout out this week. She wrote, my mother-in-love was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer late last summer, and she chose to forego treatments. We immediately signed her up with hospice services, and one of the nurses quickly became her favorite, and the nurse said the feeling was mutual. It has become a tradition for my husband and I to go looking at Christmas lights with our son and his family on a Saturday night during each December. We were not sure we were going to be able to make that happen this past holiday season because of the health situation of my mother-in-love. By December, we were taking turns staying all night with Betty. Nurse Ashley was texting with me one night about Betty's condition, and she offered to help out by giving us a break and spending the night with Betty herself. I couldn't let her do that as it would be outside of her scheduled visits. But since she had offered to help, I asked if she could stay for a few hours one Saturday evening so that we could keep the tradition of Christmas light viewing with our son. She gladly agreed and we made it happen. Sadly, my mother-in-love passed away that very night in the wee hours of the morning, but Ashley came back with the on-call nurse to perform the post-mortem care. Ashley went above and beyond for our family. Those are special people. Nurses who work in hospice or, or any healthcare worker that works in hospice care, very special people. Because that's the most difficult time of a family's life, right? You know, you're losing someone that you love, and it takes a really special person to, I mean, you've got to be really strong. I can't even imagine doing that work. I would not be good at that. I would not be good at hospice care. I'd be crying all the time. I wouldn't. Mm-mm. Well, I'm the sympathetic crier, so. Thank goodness for people like Ashley that have, you know, we all we all have a call to what, what works for us. A lot of people told me, oh, I could never be an elementary teacher. I'm like, well, I loved it. There's definitely people who love to do these jobs, but we couldn't function as a society without amazing people like Ashley. Well, listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. 
We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. Before we get to the life lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast. A few weeks ago, maybe a month or so back, I shared a huge life-changing bedding hack with you. My husband and I were constantly fighting over the sheets and blankets. He hates for the sheets to be tucked in, and I'm a tucker. I love the sheet tucked all around me so that I don't get any air touching my body. And I know that sounds weird. It's just the way I am. (laughs) I was that way as a kid. I was telling my husband last night, I remember it'd be 100 degrees in the heat of Kansas City. We had no air conditioning. We had an attic fan, so we had to sleep with the windows open. It would pull that cooler night air into the house, and I could not stand it on my skin. So I would be covered up sweating, and my dad was like, take the covers off. And I'm like, I can't. I need covers tucked around me as well. That's just so funny because I was thinking the other day, like, Chad was doing something weird with his feet, and air was puffing in on my side. And I'm like, stop it. I don't want air circulating under my blankets. So it seems like a top sheet's just never big enough for two people. And uh, he gave up. And so he would just use the comforter, which drove me like batty because who wants to wash their comforter all the time? So I looked at duvets and just skipping the top sheet, kind of going European style. But I hate to wash duvets and put them back together again. It's such a pain. So after research, doing some research, I came across these oversized muslin blankets for muslin comfort. You use them in place of a top sheet and blanket. Like I said, I researched them really thoroughly, and uh, much to my husband's dismay, I finally purchased one because he was like, great, a bigger blanket. However, since they are an oversized blanket, we are no longer fighting for real estate with the covers. I can swaddle myself and tuck it all around me, and he has plenty to cover up with. He can keep his feet untucked. So he's happy. I'm happy. He's not using my comforter. And um, we both actually really love it. Like my husband has said, I love this blanket, which is weird for a man to comment on bedding. Best of all, it's 100% breathable muslin cotton. It moderates your body temperature, so no more hot, sweaty nights. It's lightweight yet warm. It's moisture-wicking, hypoallergenic, and resistant to microbes, mites, and allergens. And for this girl with serious dust mite allergies, this is great. It washes easily. It dries quickly as there's no batting. It's simply layers of muslin fabric quilted together. I don't know how I lived without this blanket. I love it. And I stay at a friend's house on the weekends when I work. And when I get in bed there, I like instantly miss my muslin comfort blanket. Can a blanket be life-changing? I think so. You can check it out yourself. Go to the link that I'm going to have in show notes and visit this woman-owned company. If you want to save 10%, use code LIFELESSONS at checkout. And now it's time for our life lesson of the week. This week, we are joined by Melissa Bain, a CPA, certified financial planner, and personal finance specialist. She has a special interest in helping women learn how to manage and invest their money. So welcome, Melissa. This is a subject that I know everybody's interested in. Thank you for having me today. I have a lot of personal reasons that I really like to help folks just get their financial house in order. Yep, it's huge. And I have to tell a little background here. I actually had an event in Greenwood, South Carolina, which is where my roots are there. My my dad went to – and my mother, they all grew up around there. And my, my grandmother always lived there. I always was in Greenwood. So Green, they invited me to come talk at a, a event for women at the Self Memorial Hospital. And 
self-regional foundation invited me to come, and I spoke about intermittent fasting. And Melissa was also speaking that day, and she spoke about helping women learning how to manage their money. And I'm like, hey, how would you like to come on our podcast? That was such a fun event, and it was surprising to me and something that I didn't think going in, how much your topic and my topic just really was crossed over in so many different areas because with your focus being on health and a lot of people don't realize it, but you know, financial issues, financial stress can really impact your physical and your emotional and mental health. So I was really excited about the way that um, our two topics just dovetailed with each other. They did. And you could tell the audience left with lots of good stuff to get, get healthier with intermittent fasting and get financially healthier as well. So tell us a little bit about you and your background and how you got into this field. My background, you know, I grew up in rural South Carolina, and then I was really raised in a single parent household. My parents divorced when I was four, and my mom was left to raise, you know, five children basically on her own. We ranged in age from one to 13. You know, when my mom was coming along, there wasn't a lot of emphasis on women getting an education and working outside the home. So she had a high school education, and uh, that qualified her for, you know, minimum wage jobs. And so just growing up, seeing my mom struggle to raise five children and having to make a lot of difficult decisions about, you know, what we could afford to do and what we couldn't afford to do and that sort of thing, it just really impacted me in my whole life. And when I did put myself through college working in a cotton mill and working for Milliken, Started my first career in uh, public accounting and enjoyed that very much and then later worked in industry. But I understand and firsthand experienced as a child growing up and then later as an adult, the struggles, especially for women and uh, but for everyone of just having good financial health. And we don't get this in school, even still. I've got two boys and one of them, I don't know where he's something. The older one just was born with great financial sense. He likes to save. One time he was like, he was in college and he was working and he's like, I can't pay for the parking meter because I have $10,000 and I can't go below that. Will you pay for that? And I'm like, okay, yes. <laughs> but then the other one, you know, he's like, I have 10 cents. That's all I own in the world. You know? But he also doesn't understand anything like taxes and paying the bills and all of it. At least he's not interested in getting a credit card. Thank the Lord. He doesn't even want one. He's like, I don't know. That, I don't, that, that sounds hard. I'm like, great. Well, you know, like you said, I mean, we don't learn this in school. Uh, nowadays, it's so easy to get credit and to get credit cards. Most kids, you know, now are graduating with, you know, school debt and they get credit cards pushed at them uh, when they go off to college. And I really chose this profession because, you know, I really hope I can come alongside people and help make a difference in their life, help them reach whatever their financial goal may be. And, you know, it's different for everyone. And, you know, success and uh, financial security, there's a different definition for everyone. We can certainly tell from the events of the last few months and definitely the last few weeks, you know, the world can change 
in an instant and our priorities can change in an instant. So just some of the good financial foundations that can help everyone. It's just important to get that good financial foundation in place that can help you weather these kind of storms that are just completely unexpected. Okay. So I feel like just in my experience with different people in my life, that people have story monies that they tell themselves. It doesn't matter how much I save. I'll never have enough. So why save? Like I've heard that story before. Then there's that story of you can't take it with you. So you might as well spend it today. So how much of your job is helping rewrite those money stories that people have. That is a great point. When uh, Jen and I met that night and did that seminar, the first and most important step that someone can take toward having financial health is number one, you've got to understand where you are. And to your point, so many people just want to, you know, stick their head in the sand you know, I'm just going to let the chips fall where they may, you know, whatever happens, happens. Hey, paycheck to paycheck. You know, I hope everything's going to work out okay. And that first step of just seeing, hey, what do I have coming in? And what do I have going out? And what are my goals? I mean, just really to sit down and think about, you know, what would you like to accomplish? It's so funny that you bring that up about, the, the, you know, money stories, because I have clients that have just plenty of money. They're going to be fine through their lifetime. But in their head, they have just told themselves, you know, I can't afford to do this. I might run out of money. I don't want to be without. And there's they're too frightened to enjoy life, even though they're perfectly capable, they have what they need, they should be enjoying the fruits of their labor, they're too afraid to do it. And then on the other hand, you know, at the other end of the spectrum, you have folks that spend way beyond their means. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't, you know, if if I've got $5 today, I'm going to spend 10. Did you just describe both of my children? I can't pay for a parking meter because I might drop below $10,000. Exactly. (laughs) But I think The thing that a financial planner can bring to the table for someone is just to make them have a conversation. And so you start with where you are now. So you really have to sit down and figure it out. What's coming in? What's going out? I mean, the very non-sexy word for that is budget. Right. And Jen, as you know, I like to call it spending plan instead of budget because budget sounds restrictive it's funny because a lot of times when i'm working with clients you find out that if they're in a relationship the husband and wife partner whatever hasn't had a conversation they don't even realize they might not be on the same page when it comes to their goals so i think a big benefit that talking to someone you know like a certified financial planner your cpa or someone is the fact that we're just an objective set of eyes you have no emotion tied to the dollar no emotion and so just really through my ignorance of asking questions trying to get to know you or the couple we uncover disconnects that the couple didn't realize were there. So that's important to know what you want to accomplish and to just get on the same page about it. 
we haven't been to a certified financial planner. And I'm like, I probably should do that. Let me know when you're available. Okay. Okay. So how does someone, like if someone's listening right now and they're like, huh, we haven't made any plans at all. We're either, you know, just saving it away and we don't know why, or we're spending paycheck to paycheck. How does somebody find a financial planner? What what are you looking for? How do they, you know, do they pay you for your services or, or how does that work? Well, you can go to the CFP board. You can go to the Financial Planning Association website and find certified financial planners in your area. And different people have different structures on how they get paid. Some certified financial planners are fee only. So when you go in and talk, they have a flat fee that they charge for preparing a financial plan for you. And others like ourselves, the financial plan is just part of the fee that we charge for managing your assets covers the financial planning fee. So there's a couple of different models and, you know, you could choose whichever type you prefer to work with. So you manage their assets and help them grow their assets. Right. So I'm going to jump in there real quick. I went through many, many years in my past marriage of considerable debt. I was married to a person who spent money faster than I could make it. And so my approach then was keep my head above the water. I was treading water as fast as I could. Just keep the ship from sinking. And my thought then was I constantly, I mean, I was, you know, reading Dave Ramsey and whatever, you know, I wanted financial security desperately. And my thought then was, I don't need a financial planner because I don't have any money. So what would you say to somebody who is in that mindset? I totally get that mindset. And one of the reasons I went into this business is because I spent so many years in that situation where I felt like there was no hope for me to have a future. But We also look at it and say, you know, when we're working with people, you know, what is the potential? So we work with a lot of folks that early in their careers, there really aren't a lot of assets to manage. There may not be any assets to manage, but you're looking at that potential as well. And don't discount what tiny little small steps, what difference tiny little small steps can make. Because they can, but you have to start somewhere, right? But start where you are. And working with someone, I mean, if people are really in dire straits, they may need to work with debt counselors before they go to a certified financial planner. Because the first step may just be to to come up with a plan for reducing or eliminating debt or restructuring it in a way that you can, you know, handle it and still get to the point where you can save something. So your number one goal at that point is to, I don't want to say gain assets, but to start to grow some assets. So you may not be looking at, you know, 40 years from now, you're looking at five years from now, how much can I have in five years? Start from somewhere. You know, for a lot of folks, not through any fault of their own, it could be through a job loss. It could be through health issues, different things that the outgoing is exceeding the incoming. And unfortunately, when it comes to finances, there are no silver bullets, right? So either you you have to find a way to make more or you have to find a way to spend less. And that's really what it comes down to. But over time, 
you know, if you do a little bit of both, that's how you make progress. You can get back on the right side of it, right? So you have to figure out a way. You have to figure out a way to spend less or increase your earnings or both. And that's where I say the first step is to see where you are financially. See where you have coming in. See what you have going out. On average, the average person, when they estimate what they spend a month, underestimates it by as much as 20 to 25%. We just don't realize. I remember working with one young couple and we just were talking about, well, how much do you spend going out to eat? And they said, we never go out to eat. You know, we've got kids, kids are doing activities. We just never go out to eat. And they said, you know, if you want to put $125 in there. Well, when we started looking through their bank statement, it was $400, $450 a month. And what was happening was they're just running through drive-throughs. Yeah, I thought that was where you were probably going with that, but it adds up. You know, when I asked how much do you spend, you know, eating out, they're thinking, you know, like going to a restaurant, <laughs> sitting down and having a proper meal. And they weren't even thinking about running through Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, Burger King, whatever it is. Although we don't really enjoy sitting down and doing that kind of thing. It's really not that difficult, though. You can look at credit card statements. A lot of credit card statements were categorized spending for you. You know, look at a couple months bank statements. Look at a couple months credit card statements. You can get a pretty good handle of where your money's going. And it really does surprise you when you realize where you might be, you know, letting it go, like recurring subscriptions, for example, things that you have, have signed up, like Netflix and Discovery Plus and all the different, that's for me. I've got like everything you could watch. I'm like, do I really need all of those? And like gym memberships and things that we get with good intentions and maybe we don't use. I'm not discouraging people from that. But, you know, if you if you take a good hard look at where things are going, you can usually find some low-hanging fruit. You know, one of the things we often talk about is, you know, shopping, shopping your car and home insurance. If you just haven't gone around and gotten some quotes on that, you might be surprised. I did that myself a couple of years ago, you know, when COVID hit and we all had a little extra time on our hands. And I shopped my insurance and I found that by changing carriers and paying annually instead of monthly, I saved about $600 a year. And I mean, for me, that's a real amount of money. You know, $600 to me is pretty significant. And so that might be some low-hanging fruit you could find. What specifically do women need to keep in mind? I mean, I know men and women both have to take care of their finances, but are there some specific things that you can, because I know your whole talk in Greenwood was focused on women. We were presenting that night to a women's group, but you know, women do, and my passion, I think, is there because we have a few strikes against us to begin with. So for example, on average, women earn about 83% of what men earn. And if you're in a high-level executive position, it's more like 75% of what men earn. If you're a woman of color, it's even lower. And even though that gap has been narrowing and continues to narrow, on the pace we're on right now, it's going to be another 40 years before the gap is completely closed. And lower earnings is tough enough in itself. But what that means is, you know, it's more difficult for us to save because we're not earning enough. It also means that, you know, when we reach Social Security age, our Social Security, you know, income will not be as high as our male counterparts. 
that's one strike that we have against us. Another situation that women run into more often than men is that when someone needs to leave the workforce to care for children or aging parents, it's usually us. We leave the workforce 50% more often than men do. Oh, I can speak to that when I was a teacher and whenever there was a doctor's appointment or a sick child or whatever, I just had to do it. My job was the one, you know, for whatever reason. It's like, well, that's for you. You're the one. And I'm like, well, can you? Nope. And the other thing about when you leave the workforce for caregiving, not only does it, again, reduce your income and lead to lower Social Security in retirement, also sometimes you're overlooked for promotions and things like that because you may be seen as less reliable. And then now this at first blush might seem like a good thing, and it is, but we outlive men on average, you know, four to five years. That's wonderful, but on top of earning less, on top of receiving less in Social Security income, now our money also needs to last four or five years further. And because we live longer, we're more susceptible to heart disease, stroke, and Alzheimer's. And Alzheimer's is a, you know, can be a very long-term health issue, which often leads to, uh, you know, long-term care, nursing homes, things like that. Two-thirds of all Alzheimer patients are women. And if you look at a nursing home, typically about 75 to 80% of the residents are women because the women, you know, take care of the husband at home but then, you know, so he normally predeceases, but when the woman needs care, it's very expensive, you know, nursing home type care. So those are some of the added hurdles that women have to overcome to have financial peace and of mind and financial freedom. Do you find that uh, this could be a made up narrative in my mind, and I would hope that this is changing, but do you find that women are less prepared to handle financial decisions, that they haven't been groomed to handle finances as much as like sons are raised to do? I feel like maybe women are like, well, you're going to have a husband to take care of that. And they're just not taught these things like men are? That is still very true today. I think part of it is that women tend to be a little more conservative than men. Typically, this is just typically speaking, men tend to be a little more risk takers than women do. And so even when we earn money, we may invest it too conservatively so it doesn't grow as much as we need it to. I still, you know, run across a lot of situations where women are not as involved in the financial aspect of the household as the men are. They may pay the bills uh, and things like that, but as far as knowing what the investments are and where they are, you know, understanding what they have, I see that men typically are in that driver's seat. And It's especially difficult when a woman loses her husband, and that has been the case all the years, because on top of maybe a sudden, unexpected loss of a spouse, you've got this whole added stress level of just fear. Where's our money? Who handles it for us? What can I afford to spend? Am I going to be okay? And in the world we live in, 
with so much, you know, accounts being online, no paper statements. I had one situation with one client. It took us six months to uncover where their accounts were because everything was online. She didn't have the passwords. We had to, you know, do conference calls with investment companies because obviously, you know, they shouldn't and couldn't tell me anything and she didn't have passwords and so forth. And really until the following year, when she began getting 1099s for tax filing, we didn't even know about accounts that existed until tax time came around. And we were able to say, oh, here's another account that we need to consolidate in or see what's over there. Well, this is a great reason to make sure you're getting paper statements if you can, you know, because they're always trying to get you to get the (laughs) e-statements. Always. Do you want to opt in? No. (laughs) I need the paper. At a minimum, get paper tax filing documents at a bare minimum. So once a year, at least you've got a paper document coming from this investment company so that someone will know this account exists. But really, you need to sit down together and make sure that you can each access everything. We encourage, you know, if it is a married couple, you know, both parties should come to meetings to discuss the finances. Sometimes I have trouble getting both in. Sometimes it's the woman that takes care of everything. The husband doesn't want to know anything about it. It's not that you have to be able to handle everything, but you definitely need to know the person who handles your things. And you need to know where things are, how they're titled, how much is in there. And so we definitely encourage both parties to come to the meetings and and hear the same thing know what's going on. I think Sherry and I are probably anomalies because we're the ones in the family. You got two women handling. And I always was too, just because I had the accounting background. And so my husbands were always like, you know, you just take care of that. Now, we might not have been on the same page about how we wanted to spend the money, but I was kind of in charge of taking care of the financial side of things. But it makes me realize I need to get it all organized for Chad's sake, because if something happened to me, he wouldn't know where to start. No, he wouldn't. That's a bad feeling. I know my husband wouldn't. You know, another good thing about working with a CFP, though, or, you know, and having all parties involved, that gives your family members a point person in case of an emergency. You know, if there is an unexpected death, you've got that one point person. If you've had a comprehensive, holistic financial plan done, that one point person knows where your insurance policies are, you know, at least what agency they're with. They know who you bank with. They know who your attorney is. So we just fully embrace the idea of a comprehensive, holistic financial plan. Now, you know, as your financial planner, we do not replace any of your other professionals. We don't replace your CPA. We don't replace your insurance agent, your attorney, anything like that. But as a part of putting together that holistic plan, we have all these documents in your file. And so at least we are a good place to start if somebody gets, you know, sick or passes away suddenly. We're a good place to start because we do have all that contact information, you know, on hand here for your children or for your spouse. So you mentioned earlier that the first step is to know where your incoming and outgoing money is, you know, where it's going, where it's coming from, how much. After you have set up a spending plan, 
what's the next step? Is it savings? Is it investment? Is it debt pay down? Like, is it a conglomeration of all of that? Yeah, I would say it really depends on what your picture looks like when you get all that pulled together. Definitely, if you have high debt at high interest rates, then I would say, you know, one of those priorities needs to be, you know, paying that down or refinancing it with lower rates and that sort of thing. But after you find out where you are, I think the next step is really, okay, here's where I am. Where do I want to be? Where do I want to go? And by what time would I like to be there? So maybe your goal is to be debt-free by a certain date or to retire by a certain age or to retire with X amount you know, in a savings account. But once you know where you are, have that conversation if you're in a relationship and get on the same page about what you want to accomplish. Then I think is where you pull in the troops, you know, your financial team to help you figure out the best path to get from point A to point B. And maybe that is with a debt reduction plan, a spending plan, making sure you're taking full advantage of your employer retirement plans, you know, at least contribute up to the amount that they'll match if you can do that. Because, you know, don't leave any money on the table that your company wants to give you. They really do want to give it to you. So those kind of things would be, I think, the next step. Yeah, I think that's really important retirement these days. You know, the old pension plans of the past are few and far between. So people have to save for themselves and figure out what are you going to need. And it might be more than you think. And the best time to start is today if you haven't started yet. That is such a great point because, you know, the sooner you start, the less drastic steps you have to take to get where you want to be. If you start doing a financial plan in your 30s and 40s, that's golden. But at a minimum, if you're thinking about retiring in the next five to 10 years, definitely get that financial plan done. See if you're on track. If you're not, you've got a pretty big window there and you can still turn things around in a five to 10 year window. But, you know, if you wait, you know, six months before you retire, there's not a whole lot you can do, you know, a less than five year window if you're really looking at retiring early. And, you know, nowadays insurance, health insurance is such a big factor that keeps most people from being able to retire early unless they have, you know, been a teacher or some kind of a state health insurance benefit. You're exactly right. That's us. We've got that. If you're out in the market trying to find, it can be very expensive. Yeah, for good policy. I am always wondering, like, I have about 13 years left to pay off my house. And I also don't have a lot in retirement. So I'm always like, do I put more towards retirement or hurry up and pay off my house and then put all of that money that I pay to my house to retirement? Is those the kind of decisions that a financial planner can help you make? That is exactly right. You know, as a certified financial planner, we are held to the fiduciary level of responsibility to do what's in the client's best interest. So pulling together all that information, we analyze it, we run various scenarios, and then we come back to you with recommendations that we feel like are, you know, the best recommendation that we could find for you. Really, it depends on things like, you know, what interest rate is your 
is your house at right now? What's the about how much of it's going toward interest at this point? What do we reasonably think that returns you know, could be in the market if you're in the market and those kind of things and, you know, weighing those different options. Sometimes it's just a combination of the two. Pay a little more on the house, save a little more, you know, not all one direction or the other. Are you guys limited to work within your state? Are you licensed in your state or can you work outside of state lines? We can work outside of state lines. Yeah. That is a good question because a lot of people can't with some professions. Like if you were selling insurance, I think that's state. Right. Or if you're an attorney. Right. Attorney. CPA, state. CFP, I've got clients from literally California to New York. Well, what have we not asked you that we should have asked you? I would say, you know, we could wrap up with the main benefits of having a financial plan put together. It's scary. You know, I've had clients say to me, Melissa, I feel like I am, you know, taking my clothes off in front of you. I mean, it doesn't get a whole lot more personal (laughs) than your money, really. Your money and your sex life, that's probably about as personal as you can get. And that's why I don't mind at all sharing my story, because I think it helps people to see that you can't make any more mistakes than I made. I mean, Jen knows from here my story. I mean, I was married with a baby in high school. And, you know, there was a time where my husband worked construction and it could rain for a week. And that meant he had no income for that week. I worked part-time in the mill at night and went to school during the day. The first major purchase we ever made was a chest freezer. And that spring, I planted a huge garden, and over the summer, I filled up that freezer because there was a time where, I mean, we had to go and apply for food stamps, and food stamps were not a little slick-looking debit card like you have today. They were coupons you tore out of a book and plastic coins, and I was so embarrassed I wouldn't even buy groceries in the town that I lived in because I was afraid I would run into my high school friends there. And so I want people to know that no matter what your situation is, how bad you think it is, how hopeless you think it is, there is hope. But you got to hit, you know, you got to face it head on and you got to find a trusted professional that you can work with that will help you take those baby steps to get there. But there are a lot of things that you can do with determination to get where you want to be in life. And so the benefits are having that objective eyes look at things because, you know, we can't see the forest for the trees when it's our situation. So just having somebody that has no connection coming in and asking those questions and turning over every rock. Or if you're married, you might be arguing about it because like one person thinks this is best. Someone else thinks the other is the best. But you're that objective person who's like, well, you know, I have no emotion in this. It's not my money. But financially, here's what I know. That's a great point. Just someone to having a plan put together encourages that communication that, you know, a lot of times people don't realize we're not communicating about our finances. They don't realize it and they don't know how to get started. Communication is the root of most problems, right? (laughs) And then just tying all your financial areas together. A lot of times when we do that comprehensive plan, we can find two or three places where we can save you money 
And then we can redirect that somewhere else toward maybe savings or paying down debt. You're not spending anymore. We're just finding savings and redirecting. I really think having a financial plan put together promotes health and happiness because You've had someone look over everything, you've located your documents, you know where things are, and you can have that financial peace of mind or at least know you're working toward it. It can encourage the use of a spending plan, know where things are going. It can help you manage or lower or cost or maybe eliminate some things. And you can earmark funds for certain things. You know, I know a lot of folks talk about the bucket theory, have a bucket for savings, a bucket for emergency, you know, and those kind of things. And I think that's a good a good way to look at it and invest your money, invest these different buckets based on what that money's for. So your six-month emergency fund, you don't want to put that in the stock market. You want that in a savings account at the bank. Your retirement fund, Make sure it's invested in a way that matches your risk appetite and your time frame. So, like I said, I think those are just some of the benefits of working with a financial planner and getting that financial plan in place and working toward a goal. So how can listeners find you if they're like, I like the sound of what Melissa Bain is doing? I'm with Greenwood Capital Associates. I'm located in our Greenville office, but also travel back and forth between Greenwood and Greenville. My email is mbain, B-A-N-E, at greenwoodcapital.com. And my direct line is 864-941-4066. All right. I will have all that in show notes. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. It was great to see you again. And uh, we had a little technical stuff we had to work out and we did it. Success. (laughs) (laughs) But it was definitely worth the challenge, but because I think you shared a lot of really important stuff today with our audience. Thank you. I, I appreciate the opportunity. And if I can help anyone, I would consider it an honor to do so. Before we get to the listener-led lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to invite you to the Life Lessons VIP community on Circle. Not only can you interact with Sherry and me in a private online community, you can connect with other listeners and community members. But most importantly, it will allow us to continue to bring you the podcast. So, gosh, I really hated to even talk about this because, you know, no one likes to ask for support. I'm not good at asking for help. But as of today, when we're recording this, we have aired three Life Lessons podcast episodes where we talk about the VIP community, and the response has been disappointing. So as I mentioned the first week, I'm happy to have Life Lessons be a hobby for me. I love chatting with Sherry, whether we have guests or not. I love doing the podcast, and I don't mind doing it for free. It's fun. I enjoy it. However, Sherry does most of the work to get the podcast ready each week. It is a job for Sherry, not a hobby. She also runs the Facebook group that we did not close, by the way. We thought about closing the Facebook group and just having the VIP community, but we know a lot of people get value from the Facebook community, so we did not close the Facebook community, but it takes hours. Like how many hours would you say you spend a day on the Facebook group, Sherry? Just depending on the day of the week, anywhere from, I would say, two to three hours. Two to three hours a day running the Facebook group and also prepping the podcast. So the reason we started the Facebook group was to support the podcast as a way of like getting you know community 
the lessons that you know the the listener led lessons and to get the feedback and to get our good news story and our quotes of the week. We really wanted to have not just a podcast where we talk to you and you know whatever, but we wanted to have a true community feel. So we started the Facebook community, and I really think the Facebook community is fantastic. You know, I left Facebook, but it, the life lessons community was something I really enjoyed being a part of while I was there. And I know how many members would you say are in the Facebook community now, Sherry? Over 10,000, and I can tell, like, over the last month, we've had 8,900 active members in the group. So 8,900 active members in the Facebook group that are getting a lot of benefit from the the Facebook group. And also, if you're listening to the podcast, you know, I hope that you're enjoying it. So basically, when I think about the past three weeks and the number of people that have joined the VIP community, it was enough people in three weeks to bring one episode of the podcast. So we've had three episodes, but enough people have joined the VIP community to bring one. So y'all can see that math is not working out very well in our favor. Like today is it's Wednesday. The podcast came out today and we're recording this in the afternoon. One person has joined the community today on the day the podcast came out. So if you enjoy listening to the podcast as much as we love bringing it to you, or if you love the Facebook community and you're getting a lot out of that, please consider joining the VIP community, if only to support the podcast. And it will ensure that we can continue to cover production costs each week. Because I told Sherry when we started this, if we don't make enough money to cover the production costs, I will cover them. Like I'm never going to ask Sherry to pay me back. I don't mind it. It's fun. I love doing it. But I would really like for Sherry to earn something for the time that she spends working in the Facebook community and getting the the podcast organized. And that's just the only thing. You know, I, I want Sherry to benefit from the work that she does on this podcast. As I said, it's really hard for me to ask. I don't like asking for help. But I know we have a great community. So... You know, I would just love if we had enough people in the VIP community, first of all, to support the production costs. That would be amazing. That's really all I have to say about that. So (laughs) go to lifelessonscommunity.com slash VIP and join today. Okay, now it's time for our listener-led lesson. Today's listener-led lesson comes from Debbie, and it's a life hack. And Debbie says, my bank has options based on my checking account type and using direct deposit for my paycheck. I have multiple savings accounts at no charge. I use these savings accounts for two bills that are paid every six months. I also created one for emergencies, paying monthly bills and a gift account. I have the accounts set for auto transfer. So every paycheck, the money is distributed, and I don't have to remember to put money back for a payment due or for saving for whatever I need. I can also rename the accounts to whatever I need. Takes two minutes online, and my updated accounts are ready to use. One less thing I have to try to remember, and again, it's free. At the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener, and today's quote comes from Beth. The quote is, how far you go in life depends on your being tender with the young, compassionate with the aged, sympathetic with the striving, and tolerant of the weak and strong, because someday in your life, you will have been all of these. That is from George Washington Carver. I love that. 
Well, listeners, thank you for joining us today. And if you love this podcast and you get value from listening, or if you're a member of the Facebook community and you love being a part of that, then join us in the new Life Lessons VIP community and help us with the podcast. So go to lifelessonscommunity.com slash VIP to be a VIP podcast supporter for either $4.99 or $9.99 a month. And your support really does ensure that we can keep bringing you episodes of Life Lessons each week. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, and we would love for you to leave a review so that we can reach others. Do you have a story to share for our good news segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you? Or do you have an area of expertise you would like to share as our featured guest? Email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.